0: This podcast is reserved for audiences 18 years and older. Hello, and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Our next guest has been in the leather community since 2015. They are a founding member of the organization known as Queer Leather Association Sacramento, or QLAS, and they hold the title of Mr. Bolt Leather Sacramento 2017. Get ready for some more Leather Talk. Hello, everyone this is brandon your mr bullet leather 2020 and today we have fred
1: hi fred hello esteemed panel of judges good evening
0: <laughs> how are you doing today buddy
1: <laughs> doing pretty good usual monday and all that how are you yeah
0: pretty good had a easy easy monday today thank god well fred why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for those audience members who might not be familiar with you all
1: right uh well as i said i'm fred uh I was previously Mr. Bolt Sacramento 2017, and most recently I was Mr. Spring 2021. As far as I can tell, I'm probably going to be the only spring, unless they do the seasons again. But in that case, there's only one Highlander, you know, all that. And I'm just, you know, your run-of-the-mill homo with, like, too much time on the internet. And uh, I've been in the leather community since, I want to say, 2015. So, like, a good uh, six years now. And then I'm also a founding member of Queer Leather Association Sacramento, or QLAS for short.
0: Awesome. And you'll have to tell me a little bit about that later, um, because I'm not familiar with that. Um, Cool. So you've been in for about six years. Uh, What was your age, if you don't mind me asking?
1: I am 29. So it's almost all downhill. Once tax day next year comes around, then uh, I will be 30. And then the descent begins.
0: Yes, me too. I'm going to be 30 next year. And I'm like, oh, no, we're expiring.
1: (laughs) It was bound to happen. I had a good ten seconds of fame, <laughs> eleven and a half if you count the uh, other stuff.
0: So we're about the same age, Fred. I don't know how many of the episodes you've listened to of Leather Talk, but like the point of Leather Talk for me really was initially for posterity and to hear like the voices of people who have been in the community for a number of years and just to keep the stories around, keep those those mm-hmm. stories alive from the older generation. But shortly, I realized like how important it is to for our voices to be heard as well, the, the younger mm-hmm. generation. And so that's why I really wanted to invite you on is just to kind of share your story and your journey with how you came into the community, because I think it may differ for people who maybe have came into the scene back in the 80s, 90s mm-hmm. even. So let's talk about you a little bit. You said you identify as a did you say classic homo? <laughs> uh,
1: Run-of-the-mill run homo. <laughs>
0: Run-of-the-mill homo. Okay, got it. <laughs> so at what point did you figure out that you were homosexual?
1: I actually remember this quite distinctly. It, it was like a period of, a, I want to say a, a few weeks. It was uh, back in middle school, I will say high school, middle school back in 2004. So all the other people are going to hate me for like <laughs> saying 10 years ago. But it was in eighth grade. I remember... It was just one day. I was just going about my classes and all that, but like I just felt something was off that day. Like I just could not exactly pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking like, "There's something weird about today," but I can't tell what it is. Like all oh, my cl- the classes are the same. You know, hung out with my friends and like it was just kind of the same. But then six period PE rolls around, mm-hmm. and there's just this kid. I don't remember his name, but like for some reason, like I was just like fixated on him, but. At first thought, I thought I was like wait, do I know that guy? Like have I seen him like at a family gathering or something as like a friend of a friend, but for a while I just I just kept being fixated, just wondering like, okay, why am I being drawn to this person? I don't understand why. Yeah. It just felt weird, but then at the same time um I think they were like high schoolers or like college kids doing like, you know, those little traveling plays where they teach you about discovering your body as it's changing. Right. And so that was perfectly timed because some of the characters were exhibiting some of the same things I was. And then after that, I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) And of course, I was raised Catholic. So like, pretty much like my first thought was like, oh, God, no, that that can't be because, you know, that would be wrong and all that. Like, it's not that. Yeah, it was that. Spoiler alert.
0: (laughs) Wait, so what what sort of things were you feeling that you figured out were like, oh, does this mean that like I'm into guys
1: or... Oh, I just remembered, actually, that's perfect segue. Uh, One of the PE classes, we had, like, our our middle school had, like, a little weight room. Mm -hmm. And, like, we all went in there, and we were just sitting waiting for the weight room teacher to kind of give us the basics on all that. He sat next to me just because, like, he just did. And I remember, like, being incredibly, like, nervous, being like, oh, oh, God, oh, God, he's sitting next to me. What do I do? Ah, ah." (laughs) Well, internally, I was doing that, but not externally because I get there. But I remember, like, just feeling, like, really, like, just, yeah, just really nervous like about why he was sitting next to me it's like oh. and i think that combined with the traveling group of people explaining what you're going on like kind of came to the realization that i was not in fact a uh quarter of the female side it was the other one and that kind of brought on own little mini existential moments there
0: <laughs> so let me ask you uh because mm-hmm. i feel like we're, we're the same age we're both brought up catholic and I mean I I feel like I had some of those same experiences especially in the locker room that that feeling of nervousness being around other guys mm-hmm. did you ever experience that with girls and was that like a telltale
1: sign I don't think I did mhm yeah from what I recall I don't think I did and if I felt any sort of like nervousness I think it was just because that I was doing that as a response is like, that's to be expected. Yeah. Like, you know, people around you saying like, you know, you're oh like, well, how, where's your girlfriend? haha <laughs> And all that. But it's like, I guess I would like, in some cases, it's like, oh, well, I'm expected to like girls. so I guess I should feel this sort of way around them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think a part of it was that. But other times, I just kind of didn't really feel phased by them at all. I just kind of saw them as just like any other person and just kind of
0: kind of whatever.
1: Yeah. Like, it's just kind of indifferent.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because when I was in middle school, I feel like I connected more with women because I wasn't nervous around them. Mm -hmm. With guys, I was always, I knew I was supposed to be hanging out with guys and I was supposed to have guy friends and we're supposed to play like video games together and do whatever guys do. But I could never get into it because I was always nervous around Mm -hmm. those guys. Did you have a group of guy friends that you hung out with and everything?
1: yeah they were two specifically they were from elementary school and we just kind of all went to the same middle school so like i i was pretty comfortable with them. i had known them for a good amount of time so it was just kind of like just like you know it's like regular just guys hanging out just talking about random stuff and mm-hmm. then although funny thing later on the line one of them turned out to be bisexual so i mean we were grouping together even though we didn't even realize it yet
0: <laughs> somehow there's like a magnetic connection sometimes
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh wait! Okay. Did I just out that person? I'm so sorry, person. With that, I didn't mention my name.
0: <laughs> you didn't mention it by name. Um, it's fine. I'm curious that I mean, did you do? Did you two ever explore with each other, or did you find out later?
1: No. no uh, oh, I like I found out my homo status in middle school, but like I didn't know about him. Well, just because. Well, e- even now I'm just incredibly oblivious, and someone needs to tell me something in order for me to like really realize what's going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And back then it was even more so. So like I wouldn't have picked up on it. Well, unless he told me I would never picked up on it, but
0: right. So let's talk about your Catholic upbringing. I wonder mm-hmm. if, I mean, was your family and, and yourself very active in the Catholic church or were were you kind of those, what do they call them? Christmas Easter Catholics.
1: Well, uh, growing up, it was like, you, you go to church Sundays and all that. You You did the little, uh, I know I'm in Spanish. That's what I'm saying. I'm in Spanish. Uh, yeah. You do all that little stuff and for a while like for a while we weren't really like we we would go to church and do all the regular stuff but it wasn't like that hardcore although like some point during high school some stuff shenanigans occur and all that like and well my father became much more religious and hmm. well it wasn't the best time but like oh i mean they're still pretty much the same way now I just i don't even go to church anymore because like no point but i'd say like it started out like pretty standard and then you got i would say a little more aggressive that's kind of how I described the behavior uh, of that because like, as you as, as they got more into it, like, he, the the stances that they usually take became more transparent. And like, it just kind of became more like just it, it would just pop up more and more. And it's kind of became a little uncomfortable at times so it's like, dude, we're just enjoying dinner, we don't need a lecture about
0: what? Yeah, whatever it is that they're bringing up
1: deities and all that. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, what was the dynamic between you and your parents then? Did did you ever come out to them or did they figure out that you were gay or like, what was
1: that like? I believe they had, well, I came up to them back in, yeah, like early early to mid 2012. And from what they said, they had their suspicions, but they weren't really sure. Hmm. It it was just me not being careful with my internet search history, but.
0: (laughs) Wait, what's the story there? (laughs) Did they find out by searching the search history?
1: Well, I mean, I think at one point, maybe I like had forgotten to like clear something at one point. Because before that, actually, they were like, "Oh, this weird, weird, this weird website came up," and I was like, "No, that's not like that. No, I'm not that. I'm not. I'm not a gay. Like that was just a virus. Because at the time, like a virus did hit the computer. So right. So it was a, a good cover, I thought. Yeah. Their suspicion started there, but when I confirmed it, well, initially I said I was bisexual just because I felt like that would be a little easier on them. And I thought, well, at the time I did think that, like, I thought women were attractive, but it was, well, I mean, now I realize that I do find them attractive, but, like, in the a beauty kind of way. Not not necessarily, like, I want to, like, engage in anything with them. It's,
0: right. You I recognize a, their beauty.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, like, I see Saddam Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn, and I every time I'm just, like, jaw dropped, because it's, like, my God, look at her. look at her, like, <laughs> I'm sorry to get off on a tangent, but like she is just immaculate in that thing and oh, her mind we stand.
0: (laughs) But you wouldn't necessarily want to have sex with a woman regardless of how like beautiful she is.
1: Right. Yeah. So I told him that just kind of in hopes that it would kind of help, Mm -hmm. but that was during the time, when they were still kind of, well, my father was still very much like in his religious mindset. So like he pretty much told me, he's like, well, I mean, we can always see a therapist to like get this done and, I mean, at that point, I was like, no, trust me, this is not one of those things. Uh, My oldest sister was there to mediate, which is a good thing, too, because we probably would have been like (laughs) gone a little more more heated. But at one point, he said, well, I mean, like, you could either choose to be good or evil. And it's like, okay, I I see, I'm not getting anywhere with him.
0: There was a black and white in his mind, like, either you're gay and you're you're against God or you're straight and you're with God kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Oh, I actually, yeah. it was right before they were going to church for like some sort of thing they do in the Friday evening so like mm. it was right before then I picked the perfect timing as you can tell <laughs> but after that like he didn't speak to me for like a month like at all like it was like when he actually started speaking to me again I was more surprised because I was like okay I just was surprised that you just started to communicate now but it's like for like a month he just really didn't want to talk to me and I mean, at the time, I didn't really care because it's like, well, I already told you and like, it's your problem if you don't feel comfortable with it. Like, I'm not going to change it just because you're upset. Right. But I think now it's gone a little bit better. It's one of those things where it's like, I mean, I I go out to my events and all that and Mm -hmm. like, we we just don't discuss it because it's like, he he doesn't want to hear it. I don't really want to talk about it because like, it's still become awkward. So we've reached that kind of like medium where it's like, okay, we're good.
0: Right. So like, he gets it, but he... Even if he doesn't agree with you, he would rather not bring it up and have that conflict with
1: you. Yeah, because it can get awkward. I call him out and a bunch of other stuff, and I can only imagine how awkward it would get.
0: And what about mom? Does she feel the same way?
1: Uh, I, I think she's more on, like, she's not against it. I don't think she's against it. She's just kind of like, she's used to it because a cousin of mine is also gay, and he lived with us for a little bit here. So, like, she's been exposed to the gays for a while. So I think she's yeah pretty cool with them. Okay. one of the cool moms, I think
0: That's pretty cool So, what prompted you then to confirm it for them? Like, you could
1: have just kept lying, right? I mean, like, did you have a boyfriend or something? Or Well, it's just kind of like seeing a friend of one of my, like, cousins So, like, I was just kind of chatting with him for a little bit But uh, I told my sister, my oldest sister first, actually She was, like, the most difficult one to tell And then my other two sisters, because I have three in total Mm -hmm. They were, I, I, it was easier telling them but then after a while, I was like, you know what, like, I mean, I'm telling them, like, I told my sisters, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm tired of like, just like, I, I need to say something just because I don't really want to be dealing with like, the questions of like, so you have a girlfriend, like, you can get married can have kids and all that. So,
0: yeah, it's kind of, it's so annoying when family does that, like. My grandparents still don't really know that I'm gay. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to visit at home, they're like, "Oh, so like do you have a girlfriend? Are you like when are you getting married?" all this stuff. But I'm like, "Grandma, chill." Like <laughs> <laughs> But they have that expectation, right? Like especially like Latino yeah. families, like they want you to carry on the family name and family's like a huge deal.
1: Oh yeah, definitely like I'm big on family as well. Like I, and also consider myself fortunate because my family is pretty much okay with it now. It's like others don't really get that luxury. So it's.
0: So let's talk about your first, do you remember your first sexual experience with someone of the same sex?
1: Oh yeah. It was like uh, a little bit before I came out. uh, It was a friend of my cousin's that I like had managed to talk to for a little bit and I just kind of hung out at his house for a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm it was a kind of a, like nervous well i was like a little nervous because i wasn't really i hadn't been exposed to that kind of thing before so it was just kind of like we just hung out for a little bit watched watched like some movie or something mm-hmm. and then like i like after a while he's like just like he just said oh come sit over here like just next to me so i was like okay i sat a little closer to him and i remember feeling like a little like my heart was pounding just because <laughs> i was like oh god i'm sitting next to another man this yeah. close <laughs> what will the neighbor say well it was no window, so they didn't say anything. But after a while, I just kind of, I think I just kind of, uh, like, I just, I don't know how I mustered up the courage, but I just kind of asked a uh, quick question. Do you think you could give me, like, one kiss? And wow, he accommodated that.
0: Well, wait a second. You just asked him?
1: Well, I mean, there, there was a mutual interest there.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, I would hope. I mean, but you, you so you felt the energy out mm-hmm. and you felt comfortable enough to just ask him if he wanted a kiss
1: or if he could offer me one that uh, something like that yeah it was like if he could offer me one because i felt like you know it was like oh a kiss is you know pretty innocent like nothing too crazy about that right okay and like he, he gives me one and it just kind of turns into like another one and it was like a nice kind of easy way to like ease into all that wow like no, no, nothing nothing crazy was done it was you know just simple like Removal of the clothing and just kind of, you know, enjoying each other's company like it was pretty like just nice and simple It, was, it wasn't like anything like we weren't trying like Three fists from Sunday here. We were just kind of like
0: <laughs> Right. Okay. So this was like a your your first kind of experience intimate experience I guess you would say with a guy.
1: Yeah, like not another teenage movie type experience where it's like very tame
0: Right. Okay How was your um, nerves was your heart like beating super fast in your chest?
1: initially yeah and then well after we started getting a little familiar like it kind of slowed but then like there's also that kind of heart pounding because it's like oh like i'm doing something that i've been told is taboo it's like there's that kind of edge to it where it's like not not so much an adrenaline rush but it's like you're like oh like you're you're doing something that like you haven't done before and it's like you're just trying to process it so like your mind is just kind of like your mind like your heart's kind of racing but like in a in a positive way right i don't know how to describe it it's
0: exhilarating
1: yes that's the word thank you (laughs)
0: And it's also kind of, like, forbidden, you know, at least for Mm -hmm. from our upbringing. So there is that kind of exhilaration there, too. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think, like, for yourself that it was, like, wrong what you were doing? Like, at what point did you figure out or did you come to terms with it for yourself that, like, this was you, like, that was okay?
1: I would say right out of high school, right as I was beginning city college because that in my high school we had a gay teacher uh-huh. and like people would just rag on him for you know just being the gay teacher like even though i wasn't out of time like i would kind of listen to what he was saying and kind of just like absorb it just because i at the time i still didn't feel comfortable but, like I, I think like once i started once I started going to city college like i started really kind of experiencing multiple perspectives and really started think like realizing that like oh this isn't a big deal like i don't understand why people are getting so upset over this I'm literally no different than the day before if someone didn't know I was gay and then the day after they found out. Like, it, it, there was really no difference.
0: Right. So that was enough for you, saying that example. hmm It's really interesting that you say that when I was in high school, there was this teacher. Oh, he was so fucking hot. <laughs> the biggest crush on him. And he had a huge dick. The only reason I knew is because you could see it through his slacks. Like, he'd always wear these khaki slacks that would, like, I don't know how to describe it, but they were, like, silky so like mm-hmm. you can see his outline of his dick and it was huge
1: uh, all right uh, can you tell me the teacher's name and where they work and if they're still working there now
0: <laughs> No, asking for a friend <laughs> asking for a friend oh my god no, and he was the i think he was like a coach too so it just he was super sexy anyways it
1: once again repeating last question do you know what his name is <laughs> and where he works I mean, you say coach, like, come on, like,
0: I can't, (laughs) I can't give out names, but I'll tell you after,
1: (laughs) then you've lost me.
0: (laughs) But I remember we were reading these statistics on like sexuality Mm -hmm. and class. And he was like, based off of these statistics and percentages, he's like, there's, you know, 30 of you in this room, two of you in this classroom are, are either gay or bisexual or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he said that, I felt like all the eyes were on me because I I was clearly like, well, in my mind, the gayest person in that room. Mm-hmm. And I just I I remember thinking like, oh shit, I'm gonna get found out, <laughs> like you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was never comfortable coming out until like around your time too, like mm-hmm. coming into college and stuff. So I mean, at that point, what you're like 19 years old.
1: Yeah, I was just about.
0: Okay so then we were getting into like the how did you end up experiencing your life as like a young gay adult for the first time?
1: Uh, that's a good question um I remember I remember uh like one of the first first instances was uh we had cable last time and the channel logo was on there
0: mm-hmm.
1: actually I put it on and the plants left the room that was that was one of the signs but uh mm-hmm. they had this movie uh, what was the movie called dang it now I mean, i'm gonna, like now i'm trying to think about it but it, it was like just a basic kind of gay movie mm-hmm. but like that was like one of the first vestiges of gay culture that i was able to get because i i had nothing else also like you know growing up in a catholic household like i didn't have any uh, reference or anyone to give me a reference on where to start right. so it's just like this sort of like drama movie uh yeah i don't remember the name but like, you just had like, your main protagonist, and, like, he had a, he was living with two other gay friends, and then he likes one of them, and by the end, they get together, and I remember the, uh, the more flamboyant one was, like, just kind of, like, the more prominent one, and at one point, he just goes into the room and says, I hate you all, <laughs> and then he leaves, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I found my representation.
0: <laughs> do you consider yourself more flamboyant, or how do you see yourself?
1: I would say, like, I... More I I carry myself more masculine just because that that was that's kind of my default personality. Uh Like even as a kid, I was just kind of like very monotone and was just kind of like boring. Okay. (laughs) Although like uh, being involved in the gay community and all that like I've I'd say like my my perception here is like, we all have a little bit of femme qualities in us like every now and then like, I'll I'll do the, uh, you know, the, the hands and the nails thing
0: uh uh-huh, like the limp wrist and all of the those kind of go-to things
1: yeah like if i'm looking for something like every now and then i'll notice i'll just have my hand like in a certain like kind of way and it's like oh i didn't notice that but it's like i mean i'm comfortable with it now like before i think i would have had like a adverse reaction like oh I, I can't display anything that would it would make me suspicious yeah but like i mean now it's like with my cousin and i like we watch drag race every week and all that <laughs> we'll, we'll just like do a bunch of like what we'll would be what' we'll be seeing as fem related stuff, but uh yeah, like i don't, I don't really get hung up on that like it's I don't feel like I have to present myself in more masculine or more feminine. It's just kind of how I feel comfortable with, yeah,
0: that's really interesting. I mean, I remember it being so fucking exhausting trying to i guess the word would be like micromanage my movements.
1: Yeah. To right. like
0: not be like because if you crossed your legs or you put your hand on the desk or on the table in a certain way that was feminine, like you mm-hmm. immediately had to correct it
1: because Right
0: Yeah. It's scary. Like you don't mm-hmm. want to be taken out of the closet <laughs> earlier than you're willing to leave, you know. Right.
1: Oh, I, I do have a bit more to add about the uh my first exposure to gay culture because actually um there is something that I feel is kind of relevant to like how I was like how my your upbringing, and I think a lot of people would relate to it as well if they're not really sure, like if they haven't, if they're not sure if anyone else has experienced it. But uh, mm-hmm. like around the time like high school, city college, um, uh, I remember going online and just typing in uh gay chat rooms because I didn't know where else, where else to look. So I figured I'd go, I'd go online to look for something, and I found one website where it was like a video, uh, video chat. So like you could turn on your camera, so you could like see who you were talking to. And actually, from there, like for the first few years that I was really kind of like figuring out myself, I came into a great group of people that I still keep in contact with today.
0: Wow!
1: That I met on the chat room. So like every now and then we will uh we'll chat and just kind of catch up and if they're going if they're traveling anywhere and you can like meet them up because actually I I actually did get a chance to meet up a few of them. Oh, wow. Like, they live, they mostly live in the East Coast. Uh-huh. And one of one of them was here in San Francisco, like, a few years ago. So I was able to meet up with him and hang out with him in person. Well, actually, one of them I dated for a while. Okay. <laughs> and then we haven't we haven't dated since then. And I, well, I don't really keep in contact with him anymore, but due to external reasons. But right. But I'd say most of them I still keep in contact with today. And it was really my only way of, like, having a group to talk to and, like, kind of learn about gay culture, and like, Uh all the very kind of social cues and all that. So I mean, I'm fortunate for that. And I think a lot of people rag on like, Oh, like, especially with apps, you kind of like people saying, Oh, you guys have it so easy. Like, you don't even want to talk to people anymore. You're just on your phones, dozing off. It's like, no, that's not true. Because I, I found a group of friends that I was able to confide in for years, Uh through technology. It's like, don't rag on it, just because you didn't have that when you were growing up, and you don't understand it. Like, For some people, this is like the best way to get familiar with themselves because it's low stakes. I mean, if you don't want to turn on your camera, you don't have to, but you can turn on your microphone and talk to people so you can still have a connection, even if you're not fully comfortable yet.
0: Absolutely. It's a lifeline for a lot of
1: people. Yeah. And I, yeah, like I've met just some great people because of that. And I, yeah, like they're still good friends of mine.
0: I'm really glad that you brought that up because... I think that's one of the bigger complaints from older people to, you know, us 20 something year olds mm-hmm. or whatever, almost 30. We're almost
1: expired, like you said. It was a good uh, run. It
0: was a good run. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's like one of the biggest complaints is like the phones. And it's like, I remember being at the bar once and I had my phone out and uh, like I'm a musician. So like mm-hmm. I, ha- I if I don't answer an email right away when I get it, I could lose a job right um that comes up so like i remember being at the bar and someone was like oh it's like just all all your kids are always on your phones and blah blah and like you realize that like a phone is more than just a text message machine right there are so many things that this phone does that connects me with the outside world like this is my job you know what i mean and then in the same token like you were able to meet people that you connected well with and it's like yeah okay can the technology be abused like do you want to be on your phone while you're at a bar with a bunch of Mm -hmm. gay gay people that you're trying to converse and relate with probably not but like sometimes when you have your phone out it's for a good reason right like it's like back off
1: (laughs) like it's like not everyone is socially adept to handle this stuff like prior to like getting involved with all this i was like pretty much a complete shut-in like i really wasn't comfortable with speaking like uh Mm -hmm. the guy that i was seeing back in city college days uh like, I remember, like, he was trying to have a conversation with me, but I really just was not good at it. I was just the worst at it. But, like, having a environment where I, I didn't feel pressure to, like, have a quick response let me feel more comfortable because I didn't have – there was that pressure that was off. And I found that I was able to respond much better when I didn't feel like there was anything – like, that. I, I needed to continue the conversation with, like, in a few seconds or else there would be an awkward silence.
0: Right. Exactly. And, you know, conversing is a skill and – not everybody, you know, is well-versed in that skill. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to like pick up on, on certain things when you're like in front of somebody. And like you said, those awkward pauses and you're like, Oh no, is it okay that no one said anything for the last three seconds? Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like even now I still struggle with them a little bit, but it's back then it was a lot worse. And having just like a chat room, just kind of like just chat with people and like, hang out with them. It, it helps because like you feel more relaxed. You, so, yeah, it still hurts me when people just say that social media and, like, these places, they're not good for us. It's, like, they they may not be good for you, but, like, to people like me that don't really have that experience with, like, socializing properly, like, this is perfect for us. Like, just let us have this. Right. Let us have this and we'll get better at socializing and then we won't have to rely on them too much. Like, if you just let us do our thing, we'll be fine.
0: Right. And, then you know, the other thing, too, is, like, back in the day, I mean, people... People connected not face-to-face all the time. Like there was like phone hotlines back in the day. Oh, yeah. And pen pals and all of these other things that maybe took more time and effort, but it was still not a face-to-face. It, like this just makes it easier, I think. Yeah. And it, we're just doing the same thing with the resources that we're given.
1: Yeah. But like some of them would say that it's different, but it's like, no, it's the same thing. There was a risk with doing anonymous stuff in a certain location where you didn't really know anyone that well, because like, who knows what could have happened. But you still took the risk. It's at least with in a chat room. I'm not risking myself in that sense. Right. The worst they can do is like hack my computer or dox me. But like exactly. It's a, yeah, it's a level of comfort and protection that I would greatly give to someone if they were like kind of learning and figuring out how to go about stuff if they needed that.
0: So now I'm curious to know because, I mean, you kind of voiced how. I guess would you consider yourself more of an introvert? I, you didn't use that word, but yeah. Because it seems, I mean, you're, you are you have a, two leather titles, I mean, mm-hmm. or two titles, and did that take you out of your comfort zone? Like, how did you get here?
1: Uh, actually, it started with uh, uh, a meetup on Scruff. At the time, I scrapped the app because I just wanted, you know, a little distraction from stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, I'll try it. I'll see what where this goes. Mm-hmm. But someone there, like, asked me if I wanted to meet up. And I went over to his place and he had the title vest on there for both 2014. And so I asked them about it and he just kind of gave me a basic rundown of what it was. And his response at the time was like, after that, like after he gave me a basic rundown, it's like, Oh, you should try it. Like You'd look good in a jock trap on stage. But my response at the time was like, Oh God, no, I can't do that. Like people would be watching me like barely wearing any clothes. Like, no, I can't like that. That's way too hot. Like, no, I can't. (laughs) But then like the more I thought about it, I was like, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, I I would say no, but I would ponder the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I was like, you know I'll, I'll try it like it, it's just i'm tired i'm kind of tired of missing out on fun stuff because everyone else i see everyone like doing a bunch of fun stuff and it's like i'm over here like not wanting to do that because i feel completely frozen in a environment and that happened once before where i feel like i wanted to like engage but like i physically just couldn't and i don't know like it's you're just frozen yeah like the the thought of thinking about other people looking at me it just kind of like threw me for a loop but i just kind of went back to that and then i figured that I just, I just said you don't know i I have to try something or else like I'm not going to get anywhere if I just kind of don't do anything. So I hit him up and then I told him like, Hey, I'm thinking about possibly doing the contest thing. Like, what would I need to do? And like, Oh, I sent him as a text message. But then he called me like, within the minute saying, Okay, (laughs) I got a plan for you. Oh, wow. Well, uh, he actually became one of my mentors and like, really good friend now. So like, uh...
0: Wait, so what was your exposure to leather prior to this encounter?
1: Very limited. Um, I would say if a movie had like you know some guy wearing a leather jacket and it was a biker, that's that was pretty much uh, like that, that was like a bulk of it. But uh, mm-hmm. for what uh, for a theater performance that we were doing, we were doing a, a panto, uh, like we were doing a spoof of uh, A. Mm-hmm called P A N T O. The director said, "Here, just look at the music video if you feel like watching it to kind of like get a feel for like how campy it is." So I was like, "Okay." So I watched it. And I was like, "Okay, I know this song. I, it's been a while since I've heard it, but I I, I recognize it." But I'd never seen the video. And then, oh, God, I, I don't remember the leather guy's name. I should. I'm a I'm a bad letterman. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> but I remember seeing his part, like his scenes, and I'm just like, huh, it looks pretty good in that. Like, every time he came up on screen, I was like, Inter-, Like is that picture of Miranda Cosgrove in the computer with a glass of water? Interesting.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just interesting that you also kind of gravitated to, towards this, because like you said before, like you kind of identify more on the masculine side. And I would say mm-hmm. that definitely leather community celebrates uh, mm-hmm. masculinity. I mean, sometimes to a fault, but like, yeah, agreed. <laughs> so it just, it's so funny. Cause it just reminds me, I can't stop thinking of the picture of legally blonde out, your story is like a legally blonde story kind of did you ever see that movie
1: <laughs> yes i did uh, of, of course i did where she
0: just like wakes up one day and she's like i'm gonna be a lawyer and like goes in and like takes the charge Like <laughs> that's what, what you did you're like i think i'm gonna try this leather thing and then bam yeah you get a title
1: <laughs> and the absolute power move of her sending a film audit, like a film essay and where like they don't do film essays like
0: Right. <laughs> we, ha-
1: we have no choice but to stand. I mean, she did that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She did that for us. <laughs> so, okay, what was
0: this process like? I kind of caught you off on another tangent mm-hmm. here. But so he called you up and he became one of your mentors. What was that journey like?
1: So he kind of gave me some basic reading materials. He's like, okay, like, uh, like they were just suggestions. They weren't like, oh, you need to read these in order to like really get another. Like he wasn't very rigid on that. He just said, mm-hmm. like, here. Like here read the Leatherman's Handbook and like there's another one I I couldn't find the other one I I think it was called Painfully Obvious okay but I was able to find a copy of Leatherman's Handbook online so I just kind of read it and like kind of got a feel that book kind of gives a description of stuff and then it also kind of gives like visual like like little story examples there was one where like it was like two construction guys and like he noticed that some other worker there had his keys in one side of his pocket so he explained oh that means that he's receiving so, like, he was able to kind of cruise him out with the small cues. So, I learned I learned about the Q, the nonverbal cues, since a lot of it was nonverbal, given the status of homosexuality back then. Mm-hmm. So, I, I learned about that, like, basic stuff like a handkerchief, like, what side. I think he had, like, a little snippet about HIV. Yeah, it, like, it was a newer edition that had an addendum to that. So, like, I kind of learned a little bit about that.
0: You know, we have the same... Uh... Just based off of your description with the addendum and everything we have the same book and I found that on online mm-hmm. as well when I was exploring and I couldn't help but feel like I was taken into like another time because he talks about like bars and yeah. just things that aren't really around anymore or they are but not like in the same way they were like mm-hmm. you said like the hanky stuff and I almost like I g- got nostalgic for it even though I wasn't there but I always feel mm-hmm. like in another life I was I was there somehow because like, there's a lot of things that I would have loved to experience from that book that can't or won't happen today. You
1: know? Yeah. I, I think like, and well, adding to that, like I've seen, I seen I've seen a few more stuff here and there about like a prior era. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the names off the top of my head right now, but yeah, it's like watching that. I kind of get this like sense of like, wow, like part of me would have loved to experience that. Yeah. But at the same time, that was also during the AIDS epidemic and mm-hmm. all of that. And it's like, i also wouldn't want to experience that because i can't imagine the amount of strife with the atmosphere is kind of being like a very kind of heavy one during that time like right and i i don't think anyone that experienced that would want me to experience that so it's kind of like that weird thing where it's like i mean I, i'd love to like experience that kind of like really raw energy that was there before things got a little tragic mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like i'm I i know currently where i am right now it's really the best time for that. And I shouldn't feel like I should long for that because I don't think the trade off would be worth it.
0: Have you do you think you've experienced that sort of raw energy in any in any capacity during your lifetime?
1: Uh, I would say Yeah. Um, I I think my first taste of that was Ellie leather weekend 2017. It's actually a really good story. Uh, Ralph would probably tell you one specific part. I'll get to it. Uh, But like, (laughs) that was during my time as Mr. Bowl I wanted to I wanted to like travel up and down the state where there were contests and all that to kind of get familiar with people and like keep breaking that social nervousness
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh I I go to the play party I don't remember where it is it, it's I guess it's near the airport in like a kind of warehousey building
0: oh was it at sanctuary it's like a dungeon space near LAX
1: yes that's that's the one so there um yeah, like that was my first time being at a play party, so it's I was kind of just familiarizing myself with the dance little area, and then there's also the playrooms and all that. Mm-hmm. And there was an open bar, which was probably not the best thing to do when you didn't have uh, anything to eat in like a few hours.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's probably not the best time to like discover that vodka cranberries taste really good, even though you can't taste the alcohol, but there definitely is some so you don't want to have four and then it hit you like a truck and then someone gives you poppers and then you can't really remember their face, but you know that they felt great. And then you actually become friends with them after the fact. They're actually really good friends.
0: <laughs> so this is what happened to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I had like one vodka cranberry. I was like, oh, it's pretty good. I'll have a little bit more. And then by the third one, I was like, okay, I'm feeling great. And I was like, I'll have one more. But it's like i wasn't thinking about having one more that was just like the inebriation no. speaking
0: <laughs> once you're once you're loose you're like oh what's another one this is this is great
1: <laughs> yeah and i remember i remember like well the person that I know now he's like really great guy like he kind of just takes the hand like very nicely gives me a whiff of poppers and like like i'm not saying like i will not endorse people like having a lot to drink like just know your limits uh-huh i was thankfully fine but like you know but I there's a there's a, a few minutes that I actually don't remember <laughs> anything. <laughs> but I, I can't remember his face in that particular moment.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: I remember the rest of him because that was great. <laughs> I remember that. So what did
0: you go and play in the playrooms?
1: Yes, he he led he led me there and he, just, he had a bottle of poppers and I took a little whiff and it was enjoyable. And then well, once uh, once Ralph was ready to leave, like he just guided me back. And then in the morning as I had a as i had a headache he just pointed and laughed at me <laughs> don't worry it, it, it was it was out of love don't worry like no i don't want anyone thinking that like oh my gosh he pointed and laughed at somebody like no it it was like
0: yeah it was uh
1: i guess like, yeah he was like it's like this is your first experience to this so i'm laughing at that
0: like <laughs> right in <and> supportive
1: <laughs> yeah well he gave me aspirin so it was good
0: that's good that's good <laughs> How awesome. That kind of raw, Mm -hmm. like sexual energy where you could just kind of be loose and be free and liquid courage definitely helps.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then after that, there was like a few other pool parties that friends that live here in town have done. So like, that's where I kind of you can kind of feel that energy there too. So it's like, I've I've had my fill with that kind of energy, which is I, I enjoy. So what,
0: what do you get into sexually? Are you like, I mean, I guess I can just ask that. Like, what what do you get into sexually?
1: Frankly, I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Usually, like, uh, it's like there's a joke where people are like, are you top or bottom? I just tell them, I'm a Nintendo Switch. I have one. Like, they're pretty nifty things. Like, (laughs) you can dock it on your TV or take it to go. Like, I just pretty much kind of do a little bit of everything because I feel it's like in order to be proficient at one of those things, you kind of have to have done it a a little bit or a few times to kind of really get an understanding of like what's feels good about either being a top or a bottom.
0: Mm -hmm. It seems like you kind of have like this attitude of gratefulness just to be having the experience at all, which is I think a great attitude to have because then you end up exploring things and being open to other things. As far as when it comes to kinks outside of just like Mm -hmm. the, you know, I guess, I don't know if it's, if I could say normal, I don't even know what that word means anymore. But like, you know, uh, run of the mill, homosexual yeah. acts. <laughs> Are well, you... like, like
1: Yeah, the expected stuff, like the right. the thing that people say, like the, the stuff that people think about when they think of the gays.
0: Right. Besides sword fighting and like sticking in each other's buttholes. Like, what what else do you enjoy outside of that realm?
1: Wait a minute, I, th- I thought it was knitting. That's what I was told. <laughs>
0: And that, too. I forgot knitting.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. One of my kinks is that I'm a part of a group of wavered homosexuals with an affinity of dolls. Every holiday, we get together and we put on a Joan Crawford movie and then we act it out with the dolls. Particularly, we like the works of Christian Slater, before his downfall.
0: I don't know where they're taking you
1: seriously anymore. (laughs) I'll let the audience decide.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely kinky. Uh, If you were going to... um, out to the bolt and, and mm-hmm. uh flagging what what flags would you be having in your pockets
1: uh 100 green on the right and then light gray in both uh okay. light gray i've learned is light bondage and currently i have done stuff here and there that has been like uh well, my response has been like oh okay that's that's pretty interesting like i don't really know if it's like a thing that i resonate with just yet Mm -hmm. so like it's something that i have to try again at some point but i usually have like gray because i feel like that kind of a stat, like that kind of says like i'm trying a few things here and there seeing what works and what doesn't so
0: right
1: that's why i carry the uh light gray and then the hunter green well i mean if if the the family section earlier didn't make it obvious i have daddy issues like
0: (laughs) don't like every yeah well so you're into older men or daddies?
1: Yes, very much so.
0: Okay, is that like exclusively, or just like that's one of your?
1: I'd say it's largely okay. It's it, 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 it's a large part. Like I, I just I just tend to gravitate towards older men. Mostly, it's just because like they have experience. They they pretty much know themselves pretty well. Mm-hmm. So like I, I like gravitating towards them because I, like if there's any like experience that I like that they talk about, I can learn from. I welcome that. Like even like in my mid-twenties, a lot of guys my age, most of us are still trying to figure out like who we are, or what we're trying to do. So it's like, I, I guess I just like being with guys that know who they are. It's like, well, you don't know who you are. It's like hanging out with someone else that doesn't know who they are as well. It's like, it, it it's not not like a terrible experience, but it's, it's more of like, it's both of us are trying to figure out what we're all about and what we're doing here and all that. So like, it's hard to kind of communicate effectively in that sense. So I just go to, yeah, I just go to older men because like they know themselves and it just feels comforting. And well, yeah, part of it is like, you know, like we seek the approval from a father figure that we didn't really get. So like if someone, if an older guy comes around and says, good boy, it's like, okay, I will do anything you ask. <laughs> you you need me to balance your checkbook. Like
0: <laughs> what's a checkbook. <laughs> you can teach your daddy how to log into his bank account on his phone. Yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I can help him use the clicker and we'll, we'll, we'll get it done. <laughs>
0: I can't help but think, Fred, how much in common we have. Uh, I'm definitely a daddy's boy, too. And I think for me, the main thing, well, not the main thing, but one of the big draws besides being like sexually attracted visually to older Mm -hmm. men is that feeling. I guess you did kind of say it of like feeling safe. Yes. When you're in the arms of an older man who's been through it, who understands you're not with like another 20 something year old who's trying to figure something out. You're in a sexual experience and you know that it, you're safe kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way I could describe that.
1: Yeah, there's definitely that comforting feeling. Uh, actually, just when I was in uh, LA this earlier, this in, in like mid July, mm-hmm. I actually got to meet an older guy that I had chatted with every now and then on Scruff. But like, Either he was like traveling somewhere else, or
0: uh-huh.
1: whatever, whatever the reason was. Like, I we just didn't get to meet up and like just chat in person, but I was able to do that, and it was just kind of that, yeah, you know, it was that very kind of a uh, safe feeling because he was very, he was very nurturing and nice, and like he's he was nice and yeah, among other things, yes, very nice.
0: <laughs> okay, so I saw you in person at the Eagle, yes, uh, when you were here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And it's funny, because I saw you on the internet, because we're Facebook friends. And like I don't know, I guess we just like leather people just add each other. Oh, you're into leather, whatever. Yeah, add you. Uh, so I kind of like would see you on the internet. I'm like, Oh, this guy's like really hot. And then I realized like you had a title. I was like, Oh, and then when I saw it at the eagle, I'm like, Oh, my God, that's him.
1: <laughs> well, first, well, first of all, you can say your bar much higher. Like, come on, like, I'm <laughs> I'm like a 1.5 at best. You, like, come on. You're elevate. Su-
0: super cute. So, okay. What what was your? Did you do any dirty things after we parted ways that night?
1: Yeah. So that's where I met my friend that I was talking to on the cross that, like, Ooh. yeah, was that same day.
0: So, did you guys do the dirty? Like, give us details. What's going on?
1: Well, uh, that day, uh, there was a pool party event going on at, I don't remember the place. I don't remember the, where it was, but it was uh-huh. like a little bit out. I took one of the, like, 3,857 freeways in L.A. to get there. <laughs> yeah. It was a general pool party. People brought food. You hung out at the pool. And then there was the uh, garage, which was set up for, you know, more uh, familiar acquainting mm. with another person. So there was someone there that I just met at the pool party. Pretty nice guy. And uh, we yeah. chatting normally. And then, you know, just things slowly progress. Because, you know, he puts his, you know, you start rubbing that person's leg because you're sitting next to them. And, you know, just kind of... Wait, are you naked? at that point no i wasn't i had a swimsuit on okay well after a while he's like i just i think in that one i actually asked yeah i asked the same i asked him as well i was like would you like to go into the garage for a little bit and he was fine with that
0: wow and what happened in the garage
1: (laughs) what didn't happen (laughs) oh it was just like you know it's like the i mean there was really no there was no sling there was no chairs like it was very rudimentary like i would have at least expected like a stool but well, I mean, it was just we just kind of like I just both remove our swimsuit pieces and then we just kind of you know get familiar.
0: What does that mean? Give us. A- <laughs> You're teasing me here.
1: I would go into that, but the sensors won't allow it. <laughs> well, I mean, just like the, the expected stuff, like a little bit of making out here and there, and then he just kind of kneels down. And we just kind of alternate doing that. There's a few other people there too, just kind of watching. I mean, I'm I, I'm not a stickler for if anyone's watching me. I'm not like, gonna I'm, I'm not gonna be like, oh, he's watching. No, don't look. <laughs> make me nervous like no it's not that kind of thing it's just
0: but what a what a place you've come from to be like someone who was like deathly afraid of being in the spotlight now you're like having sex in front of an audience you're getting up on stage in a jock i mean look how far you've come
1: yeah uh, if, if you're looking for someone to blame blame matt bunch he's the one that really <laughs> started this mess he, he's my mentor like yeah so if you see Matt Bunch, just tell him like, thanks for making him into a whore. And then he'll <laughs> tell you like he is a Mr. Bolt. That's what they're supposed to do. So
0: So Matt is uh the 2014 title holder, is that correct? Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, he's he's had a few uh he was also Emperor of Sacramento in the Imperial Court. He I believe Emperor 41. And he's also part of QLAS in some in some form.
0: So what was special about Matt to you that got you out of your shell? I mean, why? Did this encounter with him and your friendship propel you to
1: where Mm -hmm. you are? Uh, I think just because, like, he's like, well, for him, like, he's very sociable.
0: Mm -hmm. Like,
1: he he can easily, like, just in an event, he can just make his way around and just chat with people and just fit in completely. So, like, he, he can do that naturally. So, like. But it's kind of hanging out with him, like, because uh, after that, like, after telling him that I wanted to, like, join and stuff, like, he took me to SF for the first time, like, took me to Mr. S for the first time, and my rea- he, he was enjoying my reactions there because I was floored at the uh, various sizes of things people like to use, so, like.
0: <laughs> like the bad dragon dildos and all of the traffic yeah, like
1: I Yeah, <laughs> like, I would just, I would just say, like, okay, there, there's no way people can use that, and, like, he he would just give me a deadpan face and just nod, and I'm like, no, and he's like nod and like oh oh my <laughs> and he he would just say, like he just what did he say he's like you'd be surprised how resilient people are something like that.
0: So he's sort of like your guide through this
1: whole thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I know you have two titles. Uh can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that second one?
1: Yeah so that one is I was Mr Spring twenty twenty one for the calendar and that's a Bay Area title that that's mostly with it's just as San Francisco and the neighboring areas. Uh-huh. But they made an exception for me to join being in Sacramento. And so basically, the calendar is basically a fundraiser for PRC, Positive Resource Center in San Francisco. And they're, they're based on uh, helping out people in the San Francisco area, either by financial assistance or people with substance abuse or mental illness and low-income people that need help and also some legal services as well. But for the last year it's mostly been emergency housing and financial assistance
0: oh yeah absolutely i mean with COVID and everything
1: yeah definitely uh but yeah without one i had, i had gone to with the people who were on the leadership team in san francisco to talk about it and i joined but this is this was back in, in january before any of us knew what the future would bring but even with that like there's there's a social aspect to that as well but it's definitely more fundraising okay so i mean i definitely wanted to do that because i felt like i wanted to do something that pushed my social boundaries yet again but with this one it was also fundraising for helping people in need and last year especially with everything closing down it was definitely geared more towards fundraising so
0: wow yeah that's great i mean it's it's fun you get to be in the calendar and mm-hmm. you get to be a part of something that is helping others
1: yeah and uh Although that one was in a little bit differently just because everything was changing rapidly. So we were able to do our pictures first, even though we were still kind of like competing. But that year they decided, well, there were 16 of us. So it was perfect that it was just 12 months and then four seasons. Hmm. So it was, it just turned out perfectly. So, and I got to do my cosplay stuff in that too. So. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: You'll have to send us the, uh, the picture that you got in the calendar.
1: Oh, yes, I, I can definitely. I, I think, I can, yeah, I can, I can ask them and they can give me... <laughs> like one of the ones that they didn't use or something.
0: All right, cool. So let's talk a little bit about the competition then. Um, when you when you came up to apply for you know, the title and you went through the interview process and all of that, what was that like for you? Did you go in with like a platform in mind? Did you go in just for fun? I mean, what was your whole motive?
1: So I uh, actually, for Mr. Bolt, I ran twice. Okay. So the first time it was just kind of, Getting the experience, uh-huh. mostly, but like I, I still, I like give like even even with the minimum amount of stuff that I had learned and like the gear that I had been able to get at that point, like I still gave it and not like an earnest try. Yeah. And so, but like that one was definitely more on the side of like just kind of familiarizing myself. Like the interview process felt like a job interview, so like for for me that part wasn't too difficult. Okay. In that sense, aside from like uh, the the leather questions, like that I didn't know. I tripped up on those just because I was still learning all of that. But for the second time, it was definitely like I had a bigger aim. So like at the at the point at that point, uh, my aim was to like, really just keep breaking that that reserved shell and like really try different things. Mm-hmm. And I remember one of the uh, judges she asked me, well, she asked me like, Okay, what are you most afraid of in this competition? And I was well, is it, I was thinking aback a little bit because I was like, Oh, I was in the second, like, that kind of hard question. That's a pretty deep question. Yeah, it seems like other people have been like, well, that's a really tough one to throw at somebody. But like for my like, I, I told her like, well, I guess the biggest thing I'm afraid of is like, I won't be able to showcase the amount of growth just from last year that I've learned to retry again. Because, mm. uh, well, the first contest was in 2015 and that was for 26, that was for the following year. Mm-hmm. And then so for 2016 for the 17 title, like I had actually kind of started doing stuff on my own. Like uh, I started going to SF on my own. And I'll just tell like my mentors, like, hey, I'm heading out here for a little bit. Uh, what places should I hit up? And he just kind of give me, he he just pointed me into a direction, and I kind of start familiarizing myself with the city and some people there.
0: You started to take charge of your own journey there.
1: Yeah, and I was just kind of a, uh, I would go to Wornout West, which unfortunately isn't there anymore. It was a secondhand leather shop. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I, I wish it was still there. I, I found some like quality gear there that would cost a fortune elsewhere, but I would go there, look for some stuff. And I started getting to know people like kind of around my own age, around the time. And like kind of would just tag along with them and just hang out. Like I, I was still pretty much very reserved, so I wouldn't really talk much. I'd just kind of be in the corner, just kind of observing
0: mm-hmm.
1: here and there, just getting familiar at my own pace.
0: Absolutely, that's awesome. So that, that question for you, what are you most scared of? It says like that you can't showcase your growth. But some of those judges must have seen the growth, right? I mean, because you won.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh one of the judges was a former Mr. well for, for the bowl contest, they always like to have some former Mr. Bolt a judge. Uh-huh. And for that particular year, if well, for those two times, it was one of the uh, one of the former Mr. Bolt that was that did it twice. So I definitely had like he he definitely could see that. And then a few of the other judges, I kind of knew a little bit from other places. So like I would just approach them with in typical conversation and they could kind of see that there was some progress made.
0: Right. Now, what was it like getting up there in the jockstrap? Because
1: <laughs> I know that was like the one thing you were
0: like, absolutely not.
1: I, I actually I, I remember exactly like the thought process before I went on. Like I remember thinking, didn't I say like last November I wasn't going to do this? <laughs> what the hell? Well, I, I mean, I'm doing it like I'm I'm already next like I can't just like not go up.
0: Right, right. But
1: then after I went up, I was like, oh, that's it. Oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. That, I mean, like, wow, people saw me in a dog trap like they've seen dozens of other people dozens of times like. that was not a big deal. Yeah. And well, actually, it, it harkens back to what my mentor said. I, I don't know how I forgot this, but like when he was trying to convince me when I first met him, he mm-hmm. said. A third of the people won't care that you're up there in a jock trap a third of the people will wish that they were they were you in the sense of like they wish they were the ones standing up on stage yeah and then the other third just wants to have sex with you at that moment
0: <laughs> i was just gonna say that
1: <laughs> yes and so like after that i was like oh that yeah that's not that big of a deal
0: yeah it's all positive
1: positive. <laughs> and i was like well he, he said it was a freeing experience after that and say so and well after that, it really was a, free, a freeing experience because I was just like, oh, that that's it? Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, yeah, I mean, people. Oh, no, I'm displaying my human body in front of other humans that have seen human bodies many times before.
0: Right. And we all have a body. It's just like it goes to show you that like a lot of the things that are catastrophic happen mm-hmm. in our heads. And when it really comes down to like the reality of it, it's not always that big of a deal. Mm hmm. So wh- how did that feel? Like, you finally proved to yourself that you can do it. How did you feel when you got announced as Mr. Bolt?
1: It was definitely, I think, a, like kind of a delayed reaction. Uh-huh. Like, I remember, like, just kind of, like, feeling glad. But, like, I don't think it really hit until, like, a few hours. Like, uh, I think the contest ended, like, around probably, like, 11, I'd say. But I was hanging it around a little bit more after that. And then I was picking up a sister from the bar and all that from, like, downtown but I remember on the drive there, that's when it really hit. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, I won. <laughs> now,
0: what did that mean? I mean, did did you fully understand, like, what it was to be a title holder at that point?
1: Uh, no, no, definitely not. Uh, I would say that you don't really, it's one of those things where you can't really understand the scope of it until, like, you've done it. Like, mm-hmm. It's like uh, like when I had the realization that I won, I was like, okay, yeah, I won. Like, and I I know what the contract for Mr. Bull like you know you have to do like we have a we have a specific set of rules that we have to follow. Like I I knew what I had to do for like contract wise, but like I really wasn't prepared for like the amount of people and like the places like the experience that I would get from that. Like it's like I knew that I would have to go to Chicago because that's part of the contract as well. Yeah, but I didn't realize how m- much. I would get to know the other people that i was competing with and like how familiar i'd get with other cities and like just going to different places like i didn't i didn't really understand like how vital that would be to my growth up until i experienced the, the entire thing
0: right right wow what was your year like
1: i would say it was like a, there was still a large part of being reserved for the most part uh-huh but it was also just because i was still kind of slowly working my way to being more social and more comfortable in spaces Mm -hmm. So, like, I think the big thing was uh, I went to MAL 2017 and that's where I got to meet a chunk of, like, I think about half of the IML class that I competed with. Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, because we're we're given, like, a little uh, chat room to, like, with all the people that are competing to kind of chat and get familiar with each other beforehand. So, going there, I was meeting a bunch of people, uh, met a good brother of mine, Eric, who was Minneapolis Siegel Bolt. I met Russell there, who was Mr. New Jersey uh, who's passed since then but mm-hmm. and like I got to meet Ralph and Esteban I'm pretty sure well everyone knows Esteban so I don't have to <laughs> lose him so I got to meet like a bunch of people that I keep in contact with now through there and and I get familiar with those places I, I do remember at one point in Mal, like it, it, things got a little too overwhelming so I had to go back to the room that I was staying in and just kind of mellow out for a little bit right but after that I think I like after that I was pretty much fine and then I was able to do like bigger uh Bigger events here, like either he, like either here in the state or in Chicago, and feel a bit more comfortable. I, although I think, I, I think, I, I think a bit more. I think I would have liked to have been a bit more social at those things, but I also understand that that was my. how do I say it. Uh, That's where you were at that point. Yeah, I, I was progressing as as much as I needed to, right, and as much as I could.
0: I mean, and you still have one more good year left until you turn thirty, so. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'd say it's about eight months, roughly.
0: Eight months? What month are you born in?
1: I was born on tax day. Okay. April 15th. <laughs> so before you celebrate, get your taxes in because the IRS does not mess around, but I do.
0: <laughs> so you're actually a little bit younger than me. I was born in February. Right? You're younger. January, March, April. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. How interesting. Wow. Uh, let's talk about your involvement with the organization you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. um what was it the queer leather association of sacramento what is yes. that
1: so it's basically a leather group for queer identified individuals in sacramento or in it doesn't have to necessarily be in sacramento you could be like a little bit more up north or in a few like a little bit past like it's not it's not completely central in sacramento you can go a little bit up north a little set like in any direction mm-hmm. and so at the time well 2017 is when like we founded the group. So I was a founding member of that. And currently, uh, so basically, the aim of the group is to have a space where queer identified individuals can have a place to gather and socialize. So the bolt bar is pretty much a QLAs centric bar. There we uh-huh. also do classes ranging from like leather history to like kink classes. Uh, I once I, I, there was once a class for like interrogation play. That was actually pretty interesting, but like we also had a we also had a class on the hanky code and the history of it. So currently, we, we just try to we try to have a, provide a space for education and a place to gather. And like every now and then, we'll we'll try to well before we would like host like holiday parties and elections and like a few other things. But well, eventually that stuff will come back and we'll be able to do it a bit more.
0: Now, is this for everyone or for a specific audience? Uh, who is this for?
1: are uh, the only requirement we have is that you self identify as a queer individual. So we do not restrict anyone on any other factors. Okay, very mm-hmm.
0: cool. And so I will I will try to put a link to that in the description for people that want to find out more about that.
1: Yes, I, I can provide you with one. Yes.
0: Okay, awesome. Just off the top of your head. Do you know that the website?
1: Yes, it is queer dot association.com. And there we have a pretty basic website that gives you the rundown. So. The purpose of Queer Leather Association is a group of gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans, and other queer-identified people who enjoy the leather lifestyle, which exists for all the following reasons. To educate interested people in risk awareness consensual kink, safe sane consensual play, BDSM kink play, educate queer-identified people in the practice of safer sex as well, encouraging leather lifestyle, and achieving a level of comfort in that lifestyle. We also conduct events which promote leather lifestyle and present it in a positive light. And we also do philanthropic events and engage in charity-based events and also fighting various homophobia, biphobia, transphobia and HIV awareness. Mm. And it's also, also a nonprofit organization too.
0: Wow. So very heavily involved in education it
1: seems like yes, that, that's one of the biggest things. Uh, the group always strives to have some sort of class based on any sort like anything that you can think of like having a class so that with people who are interested in it, can get a informed lecture on it and the proper, the proper steps to doing it safely, because many people don't really have that education. And if they want to try something, it may not be in the safest way. And so these classes are definitely geared towards letting people know that they can explore these things. But there's a way to do it where all consenting parties can have a good time with it. Absolutely.
0: Well, I have a couple uh, more final questions here for you, Fred. But uh, before I go there, I mean, is there anything that we should know about you before we before we start to wrap up? Is there anything that? we haven't discussed or things that might be interesting about you that you'd like to share?
1: Uh, yes, actually, uh, I just remember one too. Uh, so I enjoy cosplay, which is short for costume play, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you mostly find it in like comic book conventions or anime conventions. So it's basically where you take a show like a favorite show of yours, like animated live action, anime, whatever, what have you. And if there's a certain character you like, you can cosplay that character, which means that you get the costume that they wear in the show. Mm-hmm. You go out to a convention where, with like with other like-minded people that know about these various shows and references, and you emulate that character. Okay. So I've done that before with an anime character that I like uh, from a, one anime back a few years ago. And I also do uh, live action heroes, which is just means like, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Power Rangers and everyone else is.
0: Yes, I have a Power Rangers shirt.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: I'll just send you a picture later.
1: <laughs> so like, uh, that's considered live action because, you know, it's, peop- it's, it's actual people, it's not a cartoon. Right. But like, fun fact, the Power Rangers come from Japan and they've been doing it since 1975. So I I like that I like those kind of live action shows. So I've I mostly do live action cosplays from them. But there is one that I'm actually well I'm told by my by brother mine Ken Kennedy who was Mr. Michigan like well apparently like uh, apparently people all the way to where he lived heard about it. So I'm a big fan of Legend of Zelda because mm-hmm. I've played that game since I was like a kid and like I've constantly played every single iteration. So for my step down. I decided I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna do a leather version of link the hero, <laughs> I would have done it for IML. If I had remember if I had like if the idea had come to me before then. Yeah, because I definitely would have done it for that. But it was like way after that. And so I just decided like, Okay, so how do I do this? And I went to what we not West. And I found tan pants that were like, I got them for like 80 bucks, uh-huh. which is like a steal, like, <laughs> I found those and then for a for the shirt i talked to someone from northbound leather because i couldn't really well i i I couldn't find anything that i was looking for so it needed to be custom made Uh so he was able to send me like a few like little squares of different colors yeah and so i was able to get that custom made the hat and the shirt and luckily for me the dollar the canadian dollar was in my favor so i didn't have to pay that much (laughs) yeah but like i i started i actually just started studying like which which uh the the favorite link from the my favorite game, Skyward Sword. Like I, 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 looked at his clothing and I tried to emulate that. So I was able to find a website called Embassy, Embassy. I don't, I don't know how to say it.
0: Oh, um, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And they had they had a sale, and I found like these tall, like these long, tall boots that were perfect. I got those for like a sit like half off for like two hundred, like almost three hundred bucks with taxes included wow and then i had some wrist cuffs from when i first went to mr s and then i actually asked mr s if they could make me a custom Sam brown belt that i needed in a certain way
0: <laughs> so you went all out for this
1: oh no tr- like when it comes to cosplay i am a sickler for accuracy and like trying to emulate it as close as possible like i'm working on another one right now and like even now i'm like for that one it's almost done but like i am trying to find like ways to like replicate it completely because mm-hmm. i am I have a thing for like being on point and accurate as I can. So I found like I found a generic manufactured ocarina online. I found some like some Zelda theme like little trinkets online.
0: Right. It's all in the
1: details. Yes. And so and then uh, a, a cousin of mine has a massive sword like replica like uh, it's uh, like the ones that they sell at conventions that like they're made out of metal but they're not sharp because then so they're, they're, that way they're not dangerous. Uh-huh. So I took all that, I put it all together, and like I didn't tell anyone about what I was doing for my step down. So I'm in the tent, I just switch out my stuff real quick. I come out and like people lose their mind. Like I I, <laughs> I hear like people cheering like crazy and I'm like, Yes, I am doing this. And then my step down speech was one of the monologues from one of the characters from Legend of Zelda.
0: Oh my gosh. That is well, incredible. Like, a, a few
1: things were changed, but like it was pretty much that and then Like that was the first time that people saw it and people loved it. And I wore it again for Folsom Street Fair and people (laughs) there were in, like they enjoyed it.
0: That is so iconic. Like really it Mm is.
1: Yeah. And uh, I I can also send you a picture that you can post on the chat thing if people want to see it too.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So like, it's definitely, it's one of my favorite looks to do, but it is, it it takes a bit to put, like to put on and get all situated. I enjoy it. But like in those boots after a while, like my shins are just sore because like, <laughs> they're not used to like being that stiff. But it is definitely uh, one of the looks that I really enjoy. And I have thought about doing some other ones
0: uh-huh.
1: with leather. But uh, so far, I just have to figure out what I want to do, and how I want to do it. Just because uh, there's a few Ranger ones that I want to do for sure.
0: Oh, but wow.
1: <laughs> I have to, but I have to figure out like, certain parts of like, their like suits and all that like, how do I represent that in like leather gear? right or if anything i'll probably just find a way to like just get the armor itself and just slap it on
0: that is really cool i don't think i've heard of anybody ever doing like cosplay with leather and like one thing that some of my drag queen friends kind of like uh they're just poking fun like they're not Mm -hmm. really that serious about it but they're like you know at least a drag we have all of these different things that we do he's like they're like leather all you guys wear the same thing. <laughs> like, I guess, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Le- leather is just drag too. Like, people don't like to admit it, but it's pretty much that. Like, we're putting on like outfits that like we sometimes have custom made and like we're trying to present a certain way. It's like it's the mm-hmm. same thing. And yeah. I've seen some people do leather reveals. So it's like it's the same thing.
0: That's it. Really interesting I, I that you say that because a few other people I spoke with have that same thought. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Well, with that, I have two final questions for you.
1: I may have one and a half answers. Okay.
0: (laughs) My first question is your whole experience from your journey up until this point. What makes leather special for you?
1: Well, this is probably going to be like the, you know, the the very IML pageant answer. But like, I just feel the way that I feel. No one's going to take that from me right now. It's my moment. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like. It's definitely the people that i've gotten to meet i've been fortunate that like pretty much 99 percent of the people that i have met have been like really good to me like one percent have been people that are that i met through this but like they're not the best people mm. but uh like despite like certain things happening here and there like people were willing to help me when i needed it mm. like my mentor like uh folsom street fair there was uh, an incident uh or like basically someone well someone ba- like uh, how do I explain this uh so I guess a slight warning for people that are maybe a little squeamish for this but uh, I was staying with someone and uh, I guess their response to me being asleep like drunk because I was I went back to my room like I guess their reasoning was oh he's asleep can't say no mm. so it's like uh, like something like that happened and my mentor like pretty much forfeited his entire Folsom Street day to be with me and go get the necessary help for dealing with that. Wow. Like anyone could have said, like, oh, dang, like, I'm so sorry, this happened. Like, uh, go to this place, ask for help from here. That's what that's all I know. But like, he actually like, went to went with me to, to the other places where I needed to go to like, deal with all that and like, spent the entire day doing that. And a good friend of mine that's outside of the community came and picked me up in SF because I carpooled with that person and I did not want to go back with them.
0: Mm. Wow. Wow.
1: I mean, he was willing to do that for me. Like, he didn't necessarily have to. He he could have just pointed me in the right direction, but like, he knew that I was still kind of new to all this, and he chose to like just stay with me and help me out. And like, for me, it's like I want to em- like I want to emulate that for anyone else that needs it. That's that's finding themselves kind of in the same position as I was. Like, in a new environment, you're not really sure where to go or what to do. It's like pay it forward. Essentially, that that was one of his big things. He's like, it's like you don't need to thank me in any way. Just do something else for someone that needs it wow. some other time.
0: I mean, first of all, I, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Um, no, fine. But what like how special was that for the support that was offered to you from, you know, one of your mentors or your friends mm-hmm. in the leather community? I mean, like, what a huge thing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've been fortunate that like everyone that I've met, like Esteban, Ralph, like all the other like most like a lot of the LA people down there, like. I can tell they're the exact same way. Like mm-hmm. if I need some, if I need assistance with something, they will gladly help me out. So I think that's like the best part of all of this is that like you just help out people if they need it. Like,
0: right. A sense of family or brotherhood or camaraderie yeah. and support.
1: Yeah, all them IML bingo slots that they uh, take, <laughs> take score of every year.
0: And my final question to you is really just to get your last statements to our audience. I'm curious to know... For those who might be listening to your show right now and Mm -hmm. identify with you on many levels, like, oh yeah, that's me. Like, totally, that's me. Um, Like, what would be your advice for those people?
1: Uh, My my advice would be, trust me, I I know where you're coming from because like you're going through the exact same stuff as I did. Mm -hmm. Basically, just if you kind of feel like there's something you want to do and like you just, you want to break that like cycle of being a shut-in, like just take a plunge when you've, When I say when you feel moderately comfortable, because like at that, when you're, when you're doing something completely new, that's out of your field, there's always gonna be a level of nervousness. So I'd say, just take the plunge when you feel moderately comfortable, because you're never gonna feel completely comfortable, because it's, it's something new, like, right, it's like, start out small, if you need to, like, hey, if you if you need to do like, a gay chat room with a few other people do that, it's fine. Like, there's also a bunch of like spaces for like, queer people now that like, it's not, that's not a bar there's places where you can go and kind of just get familiar with stuff like you don't have to be completely like ready to like socialize with everyone like you could just hang out in the back at the end of anything just grab a small little thing take your time and just kind of just kind of find yourself uh although i'd say like it's it's been pretty much a decade now since i like, first started like exploring all the stuff about the gay community so like there's a lot more available so i mean i'd say like you know just kind of well definitely go online and Like a bunch of like streaming services that have a bunch of queer related programming like just start with start stuff like the queen or paris is burning Hmm. like even some hiv documentaries to like really get a understanding of what it was like and uh, even pose is really a good is a really good show it's like i mean Uh, we follow characters and like a storyline and all that but like they still emulate a lot of the real real events that happened
0: so i mean basically what you're saying is it's okay to take smaller steps outside of your comfort zone
1: yeah like if anyone tells you like you need to like just dive in head first like for a lot of people that's not going to work right some some people just some people need to crawl before they can walk and then before like a little jog and a sprint and then they run it's i mean i i think my my experience was definitely like more diving head first in but Mm -hmm. i had someone that was able to kind of help me navigate that right so if you don't have that just start with something small like hey if like if you're looking at this and you want to reach out to me like my facebook's there like i could give you like just kind of a basic rundown of what you'd be interested in because I, I won't say like oh you got to follow this requirement like these this list verbatim right I would just say try like if you like if you're like more drag like I have some friends that are drag queens and like I know some drag related stuff once you in that direction if you're more leather oriented then I can kind of be, I I feel a bit more comfortable kind of giving you my experience and like a few other stuff that I've learned absolutely
0: well while we're at it I mean how can we reach out to you how can we stay connected
1: uh, I'm mostly, I, I'm mostly on Facebook just cause, uh, I I've seen, I've seen Twitter. No, thank you. I, I don't need that. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. So we can find you on Facebook and I will uh, put a link to that in the description.
1: Oh, uh, I also have an Instagram too, if people feel comfortable with that as well. So okay. Uh, that, that one is also, well, I'll spell it out cause it's a little convoluted, but it's my Instagram is DTCTR008 long story with that username. But okay. that's pretty much it. And like, uh, I although lately I've been posting a bit more, usually I would do like one or two posts a year, but like people are getting spoiled. I'm like, I did six this time, I think.
0: <laughs> six this year, wow.
1: But yeah, like I'm mostly on there.
0: <laughs> I hope you post too, more so. uh, to promote your episode when it comes up.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I can do that. Um, and for some of my cosplay stuff, I'll actually be posting them there once I finish a few of them.
0: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, like
1: one's almost done. There's a convention coming up uh, in town in September, and I think I'm gonna do it. so that one will definitely be uh that one be definitely one that I'll share and it's and it's also kind of kinky too, well, oh. because it's it well, it's a jumpsuit, but you know, like mechanics and all that like right that right. kind of vibe. but
0: all right, yeah. awesome. Well, I want to thank you again, Fred, for coming on the show and just being open and honest with us and just sharing who you are. Oh, thank you for having me. And I can't wait to see you again at the Eagle. We can go daddy hunting together.
1: <laughs> don't uh, don't worry. I I put a few tracking devices in some of them. We'll go for those first, because those are like I have a better chance of success with those. And if not, then do we'll, we'll do it the old fashioned way, tranquilizers. <laughs> He's joking. Once again, I'll let I'll, I'll let the audience decide. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> well, uh, before we go, you guys don't forget to check out the many outreach programs we have available to us here in the Los Angeles area. The LELC Cares and Boulevard Pantries are some ways that you can get assistance during these trying times of COVID-19, and I will have links to those in the description below. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet, and Twitter as Brandon Bullet LA. Thanks again for listening, and as always,
1: stay safe, stay healthy, stay kinky, and stay well hydrated, because everyone needs at least eight glasses of water a day.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Like, comment, and subscribe you <laughs>